Giants and the Jags have fallen back to their losing ways. The Buffalo Bills go into their bye week with another W, and the NFL teams are starting to find their identities, all here on another Damn Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to Episode 6 of Another Damn Sports Podcast. I'm Drew Torres here with Money Mike Gilchrist and the Money Mike Man Cave. We have plenty of positive and negative things to cover, as both Mike and myself watched our teams lose on Sunday. But first, we are going to give you guys some fun statistics in our new segment, You Hate to See It. And we are also going to give you the Week 5 edition of the Rapid Fire Recap. All right, kicking things off with the Rapid Fire Recap, we have Rams at Seahawks. For the second week in a row, we had an exciting game on Thursday Night Football. The Rams and Seahawks went back and forth and were evenly matched. Both had 67 plays, almost the same amount of drives, and were separated by only 48 yards of total offense. Both defenses took the ball away. Both Russell Wilson and Jared Goff played well. Wilson threw for 268 yards with four touchdown passes. Carson may not have scored any touchdowns like Gurley, but he outrushed him by 67 yards. The Rams were one kick away from stealing the win, but Zerlin just missed the upright, and the Seahawks win a tight contest, 30-29. Ravens at Steelers. It looks like the mystique and intrigue over Lamar Jackson is starting to wear off, as the athletic quarterback struggled again on Sunday against an overachieving Steelers defensive front. Jackson threw for 161 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions, and only salvaged his day from a fantasy standpoint with 70 yards rushing. Meanwhile, the Steelers' QB troubles continue as Mason Rudolph was brutally knocked out of the game, leaving Devlin Hodges to do his best in relief. With a field goal in overtime following a poorly timed fumble by star receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, the Ravens sneak out of Pittsburgh with a win, 26-23. Buccaneers at Saints. Third game without Drew Brees, but the Saints had no problem moving the ball through the air on Sunday. Teddy Bridgewater threw for 314 yards and four touchdowns. The Buccaneers put up a good fight, but couldn't match the Saints point for point, and the Saints win their third straight, 31-24. Cardinals at Bengals. An intense battle of the bad occurred on Sunday as the underwhelming Arizona Cardinals traveled to Cincinnati to hopefully find their first win of the season. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton and the Bengals came into this game looking for any sort of offensive consistency. Needless to say, they didn't find what they wanted as the Bengals only led for less than a minute of this game. The Cardinals were able to put up points early and consistently behind running back David Johnson, who rushed for 91 yards on 17 carries, and then hold off a late-game surge by the Bengals with a field goal as time expired. Cardinals 26, Bengals 23. Jets at Eagles. There was no fuel in the Jets at Lincoln Financial Field. The Eagles defense scored two touchdowns and sacked Luke Falk ten times, first time that's ever happened in NFL history. The Eagles soared to a victory 31-6. Falcons at Texans. Would the Falcons' defensive woes slow down at Energy Stadium in Houston? Definitely not. In a game where 85 total points were scored, it looked like the Phoenix varsity football team could put points on the board against this Atlanta defense. Deshaun Watson played potentially the best game of his career, going 28 for 33 for 426 yards and five touchdowns. And Will Fuller definitely played the best game of his career after catching 14 balls for 217 yards and three touchdowns. Meanwhile, the Falcons struggled to run the ball once again, which forced Matt Ryan and this passing offense to unsuccessfully try and dig them out of the gigantic hole that their defense dug. Texans 53, Falcons 32. Patriots at Redskins. The Redskins scored the first touchdown of the game, and then they would never score again as the Patriots defense shut them out the rest of the way. Tom Brady annihilated the struggling Redskins defense, throwing 348 yards with three touchdowns. Following the game, the Redskins head coach Jay Gruden got told two words. You're fired. The Patriots stay perfect, and Washington remains winless. Final score, 33-7. Bears at Raiders. Chase Daniel. Oof. The Bears of offense decided to show up for only one quarter in London while the Raiders were able to jump out to an early lead. Josh Jacobs is a hell of a running back, folks, as he was able to rush for 123 yards and two touchdowns against this elite Bears defense. 
The Bears were able to take the lead in the third quarter after two touchdown passes to Allen Robinson and a touchdown run by David Montgomery, but the Bad Bears returned in the fourth quarter, allowing Derek Carr and the Raiders to pull off another upset and ruin the day of a sad high roller who put $210,000 on the Bears to win. Raiders 24, Bears 21. Packers at Cowboys. <laughs> How about them Cowboys? <laughs> Green Bay jumped out to a 31-3 lead by near the end of the third quarter. <laughs> Aaron Jones had a career day with four touchdowns. Not Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones. The Cowboys put up some points after being shut out in the first half, but could not overcome Zeke's being shut down, Zeke's pathetic performance. Sorry, Zeke. And Dak throwing three interceptions. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers remains undefeated at Jerry World, and the Packers win 34-24. <laughs> Broncos at Chargers. Another Sunday, another game where the Broncos play their opponent tough. The Broncos may have been 0-4 coming into this game, but everyone knew that the Broncos were much better than their record indicated. They came out swinging from the gate, putting up 17 points in the first half and holding the Chargers to zero. Meanwhile, the Chargers' offensive struggles continue to be shocking. <laughs> Philip Rivers threw for only 211 yards and two picks, while Melvin Gordon averaged a meager 2.58 yards per carry against the solid Broncos defense. Huge win for Denver to build some confidence. Broncos 20, Chargers 13. Browns at 49ers. Wake up, San Francisco. You've got a contender in the NFC this season. Pure domination all over the board. Uh, Baker Mayfield's overhyped Browns are starting to kind of see themselves here uh, in Monday Night Football. Another primetime game where they don't play well. Across the board, defensively, special teams, offensively, the 49ers were completely dominant and the Browns were completely outmatched. San Francisco controlled the time of possession with 275 uh, rushing yards, 181 yards passing from Jimmy Garoppolo with two touchdowns. Their defense caused four turnovers and sacked Baker Mayfield four times and stopped the Browns on both of their red zone trips. Nick Bosa topped it off by planting the flag in celebration, getting revenge on Baker Mayfield from their college days. 49ers embarrass the Browns 31-3. Colts at Chiefs. Rumor has it that the Colts are still milking the clock by running the ball. The Colts came into this game on Sunday night in Kansas City with a solid plan, establish an early lead and then run the ball, run the ball, and then run it some more to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, and the strategy worked to perfection. Jacoby Brissett barely had to do anything, throwing for 151 yards and one interception, while Mahomes put up modest numbers by his standards, throwing for 321 yards and one touchdown. It seemed that an ankle injury was keeping him from performing the insane plays we've grown accustomed to. Colts shocked the NFL world and avenged their playoff loss from last year, 19-13. All right, so Money Mike and I are going to introduce a new segment this week called You Hate to See It. Uh, basically, we're going to cover a bunch of interesting and most likely negative stats that will make you say you hate to see it when you see them on the TV. Uh, the first one we have here is uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. My Jaguars gave up 285 rushing yards against Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers, along with their backup running back who also ran all over this defense. Mike, you hate to see it. Oh, man. It was, uh, I was feeling for you. That was a... They just couldn't stop him. That was, that was tough. I don't know how you <laughs> overcome a good rushing team like that. But no Cam Newton, and they're still able to dominate because of Christian McCaffrey carrying the load. Well, I mean, we're going to expand on this in the uh, actual review of the game, but Kyle Allen did absolutely nothing to win this game. Like, literally, all they did was... They came out and said that they ran the same exact play every time because it was working every single time, just giving it to Christian McCaffrey and rang it up the gut. And uh, it worked, unfortunately. Even when Christian McCaffrey came off the field hurt, uh, his backup, Reggie Bonifon, broke, on his first run of the game, broke for like an 80, almost 80-yard 80 touchdown 
after Christian McCaffrey game off the field, I was like, okay, well, obviously this run defense wasn't going to stop anyone. What a fun name, Bonifon. Yeah, Bonifon. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a cool name. Uh, second stat we have is the Philadelphia Eagles are 11-0 and all time against the New York Jets. Mike, you hate to see it if you're a Jets fan. Oh, it's just, you know, Philadelphia has a good way of torturing New York teams, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, at least my New York team has beaten the Eagles at least one too many times for <laughs> Philadelphia. But, you know... To be fair, they've had a lot more chances, right? You guys are in the same division. Yeah, well, yeah, the Jets have only played the Eagles 11 times. But the fact that they haven't won one of those games in all these years, you hate to see it. Because that's a lot of different Jets teams because it's been... Since when were the Jets established? Probably in back, the 60s. Yeah, back in the in the 50s, 60s. Yeah, yeah. and all those teams just couldn't find a way to be Philadelphia. Uh, the next one we have is, uh, this one made Buffalo fans very happy. Cairo Santos, the now former kicker for the Tennessee Titans, missed four field goals on Sunday. And get this, one of, one, one of the kicks was short from 32 yards out. You hate to see it, Mike. Uh, you know, I was uh, watching the Giants game, at, so I didn't see most of the Bills game live while I was going on, and I got a text from a friend of mine uh, in college. He goes, I don't think the Titans kicker's going to have a job tomorrow. I'm like, oh, what, is he playing bad? And then, <laughs> Is it, he playing yes, bad? Yeah, yes, he... that was my response, because I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cairo Santos played bad, and he should feel bad. Oh. <laughs> and well, now he's unemployed. <laughs> yep. We'll see if he ever gets picked up again. Uh, the next one we have, Money Mike will enjoy this stat. Uh, Daniel Jones threw a 35-yard pass in the air on Sunday, something Eli Manning hasn't done since 2015. Money Mike, you hate to see it if you're Eli Manning. Oh, and that's why Eli Manning's not the starting quarterback anymore. Uh, <laughs> you know, Eli Manning was always known for his arm strength, uh, but he just, unfortunately, Father Time met Eli quicker than it met some other people, and uh, he lost a lot of that zip, and... Um, was he actually known for his arm strength coming out in the draft? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was somebody who had a really big, strong arm, and he uh, wasn't always the most accurate quarterback, obviously, because right. he led the league in interceptions so many times. But he had a a big cannon of an arm. Yeah. Um, some people thought coming out of college that his arm was bigger than Peyton's. So, oh wow, okay, um, I didn't know that. That was something that Eli had going for him. Unfortunately for him, you know, Peyton was a lot more accurate with the football and a lot <laughs> better of a quarterback. But, but hey, for the long time, Eli had more rings than Peyton hey. until recently. And this shows that Daniel Jones, he has an arm. So Daniel Jones good. has an arm, and he, had, and he can run, which Eli Manning definitely could not do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, the last, it's not even really a stat, but it's the probably the most you-hate-to-see-it moment of the week. The Steelers' medical cart breaks down when Mason Rudolph is knocked out of the game against the Ravens and concussed horribly and they're forced to carry him off the field upright can't imagine that's very safe and uh, you hate to see it if you're the Steelers organization uh, you hate to see it if you're Mason Rudolph you I mean you just got knocked out on the field and all of a sudden like they're like oh by the way the car that we're gonna get you off on the field on doesn't work so you gotta walk uh what <laughs> yeah yeah he's coming off with his face max uh, drilled off and he's probably doesn't even know where the hell he is he probably wasn't aware of where he was yeah, so, yeah, you really hate to see it, Steelers organization. You really got to pick it up here. God, yeah. Yeah, and learn how to keep your quarterbacks healthy, too. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, if, if I'm Pittsburgh, you hate to see all of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, so, Mike, what else we got on tap? All right, so to kind of transition from the hate you hate to see it segment, um, a lot of talk is starting up with uh, who's going to be the MVP now that we're about five weeks into the season. And it's just a reflection of their fighting between Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson it, 
Christian McCaffrey to me should be the front runner for MVP the way he's played this season. Oh and, my gosh, yeah. And it got me thinking: Do quarterbacks get too much credit for when they win, when their teams win, and do they get too much blame when they lose? Absolutely. Because football is the most team dependent game out there. In basketball, one player can really impact the outcome of a game because one player can play offense and defense and can you know get past their man, drive to the basket, score, hit a three pointer from. 80 feet away if you're like Steph Curry. Um, you know, and in baseball, you know, one pitcher can have a dominant performance and just keep striking guys out or get people to fly out to make easy catches for the outfield. Obviously, you need your outfielders and infielders to make good plays. But one pitcher can do really well or one batter can come up and with one swing change the entire course of a baseball game. But in football, if you're a good quarterback, you probably have a great offensive line. You might benefit from a good running game. You might have good wide receivers. I just think that it's it's unfair for us to blame the quarterbacks for losses, but also giving them all the credit when they win. Like, look at the Atlanta Patriots Super Bowl. Tom Brady played phenomenal in the second half of that game with the Patriots coming back. I don't doubt that at all. The statistics prove it. My eyes proved it. Yeah. But Tom Brady needed his defense to make some stops mm-hmm. in order to give them him a chance to put the points on the board to make it even. Oh, yeah. And he needed people to block for him. He needed Julian Edelman to make that amazing catch. Right. <laughs> but, of course, what's the story? When the Patriots cross the goal line, what does Joe Buck say? Patriots win the Super Bowl. Brady has his fifth. That's the first thing yeah. he says. Brady has his fifth <laughs> ring. It's like, wait a minute now. The, the Stick with what you said at first. The Patriots won, came back. What a comeback yeah. by the team, not just Tom Brady. Yeah. And that's not hating on Tom Brady. It's just... You know, it's just a reality. I mean, yeah. what do you think? I mean, I honestly agree. I mean, if you flip the script and you talk about your New York Giants, both both of those teams won the Super Bowl because of that their defenses, right? Like, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was a big anchor as to why they won. Obviously, the offense had to do something to yeah. win, but like they were low scoring games. They though. were low. I mean, they were low. The reason the Giants made it those runs was because they had a great defense with an amazing front that could get to the opposing team's quarterback, could stop the run, mm-hmm. and cause turnovers, which helps the offense. Yeah. You know, in short position, and Eli had um, on both of those teams had good receivers. They weren't like superstar receivers, but they were really good receivers because mm-hmm. um, you had Plexico Burris, um, Amani Toomer. Um, Steve Tumor. Smith Jeez. on the first team, um, along with David Tyree, of course, and <laughs> and he had two good running backs. He had you know Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs, you right. know, Thunder and Lightning, and then the next go around he had Victor Cruz, Hakeem Nix, who Hakeem Nix that year people forget had a really good season. Victor Cruz was obviously headlining news every single week. Yeah. You know, people chanted his name whenever he caught the ball, even if it was a two yard gain. Right, um, and they all still had Ahmad Bradshaw uh, on that team as well. So, uh, along yeah. with Brandon Jacobs. So he he had a lot of pieces around him, and Eli made some good... He, he he didn't turn the ball over in either of those games. He threw touchdown passes, and he made two great throws that really impacted the game. But he, he wasn't the only reason the Giants won those games. Exactly, and that's basically the reason I'm getting at is the quarterback is obviously the, the most important position on the field. I think we can at least agree with that. Yeah, right? of course. That's yeah. the, it's the centerpiece. Yeah, like if Aaron Rodgers goes down, the the Green Bay Packers are going to turn into a completely different team and probably not even make the playoffs. That's sure. just how it is. Same with Kansas City without Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's why the media leans more towards praising quarterbacks over running backs or any other position because, I mean... You need those big-name guys, those elite quarterbacks, to be on the field for the game to be more exciting. And that's also why the rules of the game have been changed to more favorite quarterbacks, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, all these roughing the passer calls have been 
made sure. and they're ridiculous. So, the, you know, and, and since 2000, only four players have won league MVP that were not quarterbacks. Yep. See. So in 18 years, only four people, and it, uh, those other four were running backs. It was Sean Alexander, Ladanian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, um, and Marshall Falk. Those were the four that have won league MVP that weren't quarterbacks. Um, but it's just the it's. Look at the conversations that we have about whenever teams play each other. Look at those Colts-Patriots matchups over the years. Mm-hmm. It was always Brady versus Manning. Yeah. But if you think about it... They never play against each other They never play against each other on the field, ever. <laughs> yeah. 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 How Peyton does doesn't really impact how Brady does. Right. And not really. Yeah. Because what if... A lot of those times, Brady was going up against a, a Colts defense that wasn't very good. Yeah, and then the Patriots would always have a good defense. And the Patriots had a great defense. Yeah. Uh, you know... It, it's just to me. It, it I feel like you got to give more credit to the team itself, and yeah. the, the the players that really suffer the most from this quarterback praise and blame is the offensive line. Oh my gosh, yeah. I I you know the quarterback is the most individual important position on the football field, but I would say your most important unit mm-hmm. is your offensive line. Easily, yeah, because that affects all of your offense. Right, protecting the quarterback. Uh, like creating run, a run game, you know, giving your uh, running back lanes. So, but nobody's ever going to give an individual lineman like any sort of accolades, though, no. because it is more of a team unit, you know? Like, you can have a stellar left tackle, but that doesn't mean your line's instantly going to be good. And you, you know? can find the biggest diehard fans out there on the planet. If you walked up on the street and saw, like, we're in Buffalo, right? If I were to walk up to somebody wearing all Bills gear and I just, you know, said, hey, name all five of the Bills offensive linemen, go. Yeah, I I wouldn't be able to do that for the Jaguars. I wouldn't be able to do it for the Giants. Yeah, it's, that's just how, how many, it is. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. they when they get hurt, you don't really... They're the players, when they get hurt, you don't really think about it. Exactly, it's like, oh, next guy up, you know, just bring the other guy in, and he'll be able to just stand in yeah. front of everybody, you know? Yeah, because it's just the big dude who's standing there, <laughs> yeah. blocking the other team, you yeah. know? But the, that's what they're doing, they're blocking the other team. <laughs> exactly, so uh, give me a, your reasons why you think Christian McCaffrey should be the... The front runner. Oh well, I mean, like you said in the rapid fire recap and the uh, in this, I, what I said in the rapid fire recap and what you said in the uh, you hate to see it segment. Without Christian McCaffrey, I mean, Allen didn't do anything. Yeah, he he did not do anything in this game. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has uh, I, I forget who the other two players were, but he has more total yards from scrimmage than two star running backs in this league. Uh, it was Todd Gurley, and I forgot what the other one was, but yeah, I mean that's crazy. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Because without McCaffrey, the Panthers would not have won a single game this season. Mm-hmm. Because he, he's who they passed. He's their number one option in the passing game. He's their number one option oh, in the rushing far. game. Without Cam Newton, like, he's all you... He really is all you have. The Panthers, now, they have a great... Uh, a good defense. Yeah. They have a good defense that's kept them in a lot of these games also, but has allowed them to get in to a position to win. But without McCaffrey, they wouldn't score at all. Yeah. And even his two-yard rushing plays have highlight reels. I mean, he, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, in that nasty uh, touchdown he had against the Jaguars where he did a front flip over Trey, uh, yeah, Trey Herndon. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, so I honestly agree. I think Christian McCaffrey should definitely be the front runner for MVP, but I don't think he's going to win it. No, Just I because don't. of what we were saying about quarterbacks and how important they are to the media. And, mm-hmm. and, and the thing, too, that's really annoying is when you talk start talking about MVP, it's – how do you define MVP? Is MVP the best player in the league, or is MVP the best player on the best team in the league that season, mm-hmm. or is it just the player with the best individual season? Yeah. You know, because in, like in the NBA in the 1990s, did Michael Jordan win the MVP every single year? No, but Michael Jordan, everyone acknowledged that Michael Jordan's the best player in the league. Yeah. 
but they gave it to other people because they wanted to spread the love or something. Right. Yeah, who yeah. knows? <laughs> so, or like LeBron James. LeBron James really should win the MVP every single season. But or, yeah, at least he should have at least in the past ten years. But Steph Curry won twice in a row, and yeah. you know James Harden's won it. Russell Westbrook's won it. But I mean, if you were to ask general managers, all right, nobody has any contracts with anybody. All the players are free agents. Who's the first player you want? And everyone would have said LeBron James over yeah. the last ten years. Yeah. And if they didn't, they're stupid. Exactly. <laughs> no, I 100% agree. You know, so it's that's why I, I think Christian McCaffrey right now deserves it. There's a lot of football still left to be played. Um, if we're going to talk quarterbacks, the two that I think are the front runners would be Patrick Mahomes, uh, but he's hurt now, or yeah. Russell Wilson, who's having a good season. Again, these guys are having great seasons. Right. But it's not all them. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's just a, a point to ponder for anybody listening to this. It's just like give give some of the other players on the team some love not just the quarterbacks yeah no i absolutely agree all right up next we're going to review the three games that we primarily focus on every single week uh the bills game the jaguars game and the giants game we'll start with the buffalo bills at tennessee wow 25 over twenty five thousand bills fans showed up at nissan stadium yeah to watch this game bills mafia travels so well i mean the steelers fans and packers fans get called like the best fans in the nfl and travel the best I think the Bills are disrespected in that regard because they by far have one of the best fan bases around. And I don't say that now because I live in Buffalo. I say that because you just see it in the numbers yeah. every single Sunday and you see the blue and red in the crowd yeah. at every Bills road game. And literally it's only because uh, the Bills are such a small market. That's the only reason why the media doesn't give even more attention than they already do to Bills Mafia. Yeah. But yeah, I had a, a friend, uh, Nick Papalia. He went down to Tennessee, and he said it was insane. I mean, he was surrounded by Bills fans. He said he probably saw 10 total Tennessee Titans fans with jerseys. Now, he didn't actually go to the game. He just went down to Nashville to celebrate outside of the stadium, but he said it was absolutely awesome. Uh, The Bills, their defense showed up to play once again, man. I mean, they held Tennessee to seven points. Now, they got some help from what I mentioned during the You Hate to See It segment with Cairo Santos missing four field goals. But, I mean, like I say every single week, this Buffalo Bills defense is for real. I mean, they held Marcus Mariota to a, a meager 13 for 22 and 183 yards. That was that was fun to watch because you know how much I hate the Titans. Mm-hmm. I mean, Derrick Henry had a decent day. He had 20 carries for 78 yards. But, I mean, that's not a very good – that's less than four yards a carry. Uh, he had one touchdown. And uh, their top receiver uh, had 57 yards on one catch. Um, so, obviously – yeah, Johnny Smith. So, obviously, I mean, the secondary came to play. Uh, on offense, the Bills, I mean, they looked okay. I mean, that's basically what they've looked all season, just, well, and, just okay. And the Titans had a good, have a good defense. Yes. You know, they're, they're coached incredibly well in defense. Their head coach was a star defensive player for Bill Belichick. Yeah. So uh, that, that wasn't surprising. What was positive was Josh Allen was able to get two touchdown passes, and he looked okay his first game after having a really bad-looking, an ugly-looking concussion the last game. Oh, yeah. And, like he, I was surprised he played, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I am too, buddy. I mean, he played... Really well, other than he had another demoralizing pick. He's mm-hmm. really got to stop doing that because he, he threw that pick, and that's the only reason why Tennessee scored is because it gave them really good field position. Yeah. I mean, it's safe to say that outside of the Jaguars and the Giants, you know, when you and I watch football, the team we like to see win the most outside of our two teams is the Bills. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It's been – I mean, we had a segment earlier in the show called You Hate to See It, but with this Bills team and their defense playing so well, you'll love to see yeah, it. Yeah, you I absolutely mean, love to see it. And it's something that travels well. A, a great defense travels mm-hmm. well on the road, and winning in the NFL is hard. Winning on the road is especially hard. So I, I don't care that the kicker missed four field goals, extra points, but whatever, you know, however bad he played. <laughs> Obviously, he doesn't have a job anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but 
the Bills were able to win the game, mm-hmm. and that's what's important. Exactly. And it was only a 14-7 to game. I took the under, by the way. It was under 39. That hit so easily. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I took the Bills' money line. That won me a lot of money as well. So, Kristen, on the record, I'm telling him to stop betting. So stop betting, Drew. <laughs> hey, I am up almost $500 this year, right? All right. Well, good for you. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's actually that's, that's good. <laughs> Most of it's from the WNBA. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the Bills have a bye week, so they don't have a game yeah. coming up. This And, you know, they've had some injuries. They've banged up a little bit. I think they're going into a bye week at the perfect time. And if you look at their upcoming schedule, they're, they have a bye this week, and then they've got the Dolphins at home. <laughs> Come on. If they yeah. don't win that game, they should might as well quit the season. Yeah, I know. Uh, at home against Philadelphia, that'll be tough. But, again, Philadelphia is one of those teams that – Sometimes they'll play really great, and there's t- games where they play down to their competition, which mm-hmm. probably annoys our friend Chris too much. But <laughs> I hope it doesn't annoy you at all. Do- no, not at all. I hope <laughs> I hope a bad Philly team shows up that day. Yeah, and then uh, and then against the Redskins, who have proven they're not anything special. So those are your three, and they're all at home. Yeah, and that's post by, and that's a very favorable three games after a bye week. Oh, easily. I mean the the Pedesic prediction watch of ten wins for the season. It's looking pretty good right now. I mean, the Titans were probably one of those games that was kind of a toss-up coming into the season, and they were able to get a W. Yeah. Um, so seeing as, like you said, the Bills uh, are on by next week, we are going to move on to my most anticipated game of the week that did not end how I liked it. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars traveled to Carolina to play the Panthers, and unfortunately they came out with the loss, 34-27. to Gardner Minshew, I mean, the Minshew magic continued for the most part. He went 26-44 or 44 for 374 yards. And two touchdowns. Uh, but the biggest issue with Minshew this week was he fumbled the ball three times. He was feeling the pressure behind our offensive line that has really been struggling with uh, protecting the quarterback. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I mean, he played his played his ass off. 23 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown. He did everything he could. But unfortunately, like I said during, you hate to see it, this defense, they just did not show up. They gave up 285 rushing yards. Christian McCaffrey was just having a field day against yeah. this supposed to be good Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Does Minshew deserve a lot of blame for the three fumbles? Like, were they, or were they the Panthers' defense credit them for taking the ball away? What do you think? Well, honestly, the defense, the Jaguars' defense, was putting way too much pressure on a rookie. Like, I know everybody's saying, oh, Minshew, he, he looks stellar out there. He looks like he's playing like a veteran. But, I mean, he was forced to try and make plays because of the defense digging him such a hole and his offensive line not being able to cover him. So... I don't blame him for fumbling the ball. I mean, the, the fumble return for a touchdown sucked because, I mean, that's the difference in the game. The, that was the one that was swatted out of his hand, Yeah, right? yeah, so it wasn't even his fault. And the, that was the difference in the game. The Jaguars only lost by seven. And again, not on Minshew. Also, the offensive line, you were saying, struggled to block. I mean, yeah. it's not all on Minshew. Minshew, for the most part, from what I'm looking at, just based on the stats, didn't throw an interception, so nope. he didn't throw the ball in harm's way. Had yeah. two touchdown passes. Um, you know, had a quarterback rating of 101.9. Yeah, I mean, he's continued his stellar campaign. His completion percentage would have been better if he didn't have to just keep heaving Hail Marys at the end of the game because they kept having those penalties. And Oh, the way yeah. that, that game ended with all those, like, different, like, penalties where the Jags had another chance to throw it to the end zone, another yeah. chance, and I was like, man, this game's never going to end. They're yeah. going to keep having a penalty spurge. Yeah, well, because it was so agonizing from a fan standpoint because every single time, like, oh, there's more hope. It was, like, teasing me. Like, oh, we could potentially tie this game. But the Jaguars, they don't really have, like, receivers who are, like, 
massive, you know, that can really win a Hail Mary fight. Right. You know, so I, I kind of just knew that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, yeah, so the uh, Jaguars fall to the Panthers. They fall to 2-3. and three. I was very disappointed on Sunday. But we move on to the next game of the week, and it's honestly... Coming into the season, I thought it was definitely our toughest game of the year. Um, they're playing against the New Orleans Saints at home, uh, who now have Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback, so it doesn't make the game seem as tough as it did at the beginning of the season. Well, sure. Um, Mike, what do you what do you think about this game? What do you think is going to happen? I, I think the Saints are the better team overall. I think they have a lot more depth on the team than the Jaguars do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, I'm sorry, is uh, finding his way in this offense. I mean, last week he had four touchdown passes against Tampa Bay, who's not a well, no, they're not that good. <laughs> but yeah. don't don't even give them that, Mike. Come yeah, on. yeah. But uh, so I think this will be one of their tougher games. But again, they went into Seattle and won, played a, a tough Cowboys team and won, um, and then played a you know game where it was a high scoring game between them and Tampa Bay, and they were able to pull it out. So I. I just think the Saints are going to be able to edge them out in this game. But I do think that it helps the Jags to have this game in Jacksonville and not at the Superdome in New Orleans. Oh my gosh, that place is so hard to play, I can imagine. If this was in New Orleans, this would not This probably be like a 10-point spread. Well, what's insane is the Jaguars are favored. They're favored one and a half points. But that's because they're at home. What Vegas, I was going to say, what Vegas is saying is that the Saints are the better team. It's just yeah. the Jaguars are at home. Exactly, because the Vegas will always give you three points on the spread if you're at home. Right. So, so uh, I think the Saints are going to win this game. I'm sorry to say for you. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to be a close one. I don't think this is going to be a game where the Saints you know, score 40 points and the Jags score 20. This is going to be a close game. Um, and a lot closer than I would have thought before the season. Um, so I, I'll go... I'm going to go 21-18. to 18. 18, interesting score choice. Well, because the Saints are so good on defense. Yeah. So I think that maybe... A lot maybe, of goals. I, well, yeah, I think that, um, you know, the Jags will score like 10 points, but then when they're making a run, maybe at the end of the game, they'll score a touchdown, but need to okay, go for two. Gotcha. Yeah, to make a play and, within, and three. within yeah. a field goal. Yeah, so that's why I picked that score. Fair enough. Um, yeah, for the first time this season, I'm picking against my Jags. Uh, obviously, it has not worked out that I have been picking the Jags every single week because they're two and three, but... Uh, no, I, I think it, this definitely will be a closer game than maybe some people will think, but the most important unit in this game is going to be that Jags run defense. I mean, oh my gosh, they show that they're not legit at all, and they're going against the running back in Alvin Kamara, who's potentially, he's easily top top five running back in the league, if not better than that. Yeah. Um. So I imagine that the Saints are going to rely on their run game a lot, and I think that uh, their defense is... They're good, they're good defense. Very good defense. Very good defense. So I think Minshew's still going to have a good game, I expect. But Let me ask you this, because we we would be uh, mistaken not to talk about the Jaguars and bring up the elephant in the room, which is, is Jalen Ramsey going to play? Because he'd be matched up against Michael Thomas. Well, he... And, so he, what's going on with him? He uh, actually returned to practice today. All right. Yeah, today uh, on Wednesday, October 9th, he finally returned to practice. Um, so uh, the, all the Jags fans are hopeful that he's going to play because we're going to need some help against Michael Thomas. Well, and the ownership has made it clear they are not intending to trade him. They, yeah. They're not even saying they're going to. They're not going to entertain offers. Exactly. So he needs to give up this whole charade and at least play and help his team teammates to get wins because this AFC South is still up for grabs and we need him to be able to make a run at the division title. And, and if you watch Jalen Ramsey on the sideline, he's a very. Um, he looks like he's a good teammate because, like, when you see mm-hmm. him cheering on his understudy. And like high fiving him on the sideline. It's not that he's has not holding anything against his teammates. No, he had a 
uh, quarrel with people in ownership or in the general manager room or Tom Coughlin, maybe Tom Coughlin. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to, hard for me to believe that Tom Coughlin is in the feud with anyone. No, I was kidding. Oh, Tom, Tom Coughlin's a hothead. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but he cooled down a lot for the Giants, and that's why they were able to turn around with him. Right. Um, but you know, hopefully they're able to once he starts playing and maybe men fences and maybe the Jaguars will pay Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, uh, this good amount of money will make us. him be comfortable, and they'll be behind be behind them. And the Jaguars will hold on to a, you know, a, a five star talented player, generational talent for sure. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so my uh, final pick is yes, the Jaguars are going to lose to the Panthers. I think it's going to be. Uh, you mean the Saints? Or yeah, the, the Saints, not the Panthers. They already yeah. lost to the Panthers. Yeah. Uh, I I I, I, pred- <laughs> I predict they'll lose to the Panthers too. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Jaguars are going to lose to the Saints. I'm going to say it's going to be a twenty eight to. 21 game. Okay. Um, but uh, speaking of Tom Coughlin, uh, former coach of the New York Giants, we are going to move on to the uh, Vikings versus Giants game. Uh-huh. Mike, how did this game go? This game went exactly as I predicted it last week. I said that Kirk Cousins uh, was going to find a rhythm with his receivers against this Giants secondary, and he most certainly did. I mean, he went 22 for 27, 306 yards, two touchdown passes. He was looking directly at Adam Thielen a lot. I mean, Adam Thielen got seven receptions at 130 yards. Uh, Diggs had three catches for only 44 yards, but he was still very active in the game. But Thielen had eight targets. I mean, he was the guy who said on the podcast, uh, I forget what the name of the podcast was, that like we need to start, we can't just run the ball 80 times in a game and expect to win. <laughs> you know? I mean, they still ran it for 21 carries for Dalvin Cook. Jesus, they're going to run that guy into the ground. And, and Kirk Cousins, here's the thing with Kirk Cousins. He apologized, and he goes, yeah, he's right. And yeah. he he completely owned it. I I respect that. Yeah, he wasn't course. he wasn't playing the defensive game. He goes, no, he's he's one hundred percent legit. Yeah, we need to play better. I need to play better. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So and and I knew that this was a game where they could probably start finding a rhythm because the Giants' defense has not looked good all season, and I didn't really expect the Giants to do much on offense because there was no Barkley and they were going up against a juggernaut in the Vikings' defense. Yeah. And and that certainly proved to be the case. I was positive though from the standpoint of Daniel Jones got pressured a lot mm-hmm. and stayed poised through the ball well. Yep. They moved the ball pretty well, actually. They just missed out on some opportunities. I mean, early on, Shepard you know, beat his man, and unfortunately, uh, Jones got hit as he threw, so it was overthrown just by, like, the, you know, centimeters. It was just yeah. off of his fingertips. Um, and then there was a play where, you know, Jones escaped the pocket, went to go throw into the end zone, was just over the head of Shepard. So Shepard and Daniel Jones weren't on the same page on a couple plays that would have been scores which could have obviously turned the momentum of the game. But I kind of knew that this game was not really winnable for the Giants. It's just not a good matchup for them. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean, your uh, best rusher was Hillman, nine carries for 20 yards. I mean, the Vikings just basically shut down any resemblance of a run game you guys could have had. Well, I mean, yeah, Wayne Goldman went out with a concussion. Uh, Sterling Shepard had a concussion in the game. Uh, Evan Ingram got banged up. So there was a lot of things that just didn't go right for the Giants. But in terms of their playmakers... And again, you can't ask Daniel Jones to do everything. Well, how did uh, how did Golden Tate impact this game at all? Did he do anything? He got a, targeted on the very first play of the game on offense for the Giants, and then was kind of not utilized too much after that. I mean, he only had thirteen yards. I mean, he's, he's still assimilating with the team. I mean, yeah, he's it was been his first. Four weeks. It was his first week back. He's going to get a lot of targets this week because, well, he's going to be the only one out there. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very. I mean, you have this Slayton guy. He was your uh, your highest. Receiver, sure. 62 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I, <laughs> and then Latimer will play, I'm sure, a little bit more. Hopefully, yeah. So I, we'll see. I mean, who do? So who do the Giants have next, huh? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm doing Thursday night. I'm going to uh, get off of work at five, uh, make some dinner, 
And then I'm going to put in my DVD of Super Bowl 42, Giants versus Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Giants play the Patriots uh, in New England on Thursday Night Football. Oof, in New England, oh boy. Yeah, it's... Uh, doesn't look good for the Giants, I'll say that. I mean, let's again, they don't have a good second. Their defense is not good. Yeah. And and Tom Brady is going to chop them up like hot bread. Like, yeah. It's going to be really terrible. Um, <laughs> and then Bill Belichick has, like, this unbelievable record against rookie quarterbacks since he's been a defensive coordinator, head coach, whatever you, whatever position Bill Belichick has had in the NFL, he's had success against rookie quarterbacks. I, I, I remember looking it up early in the week. I'm sorry that I don't have the exact numbers here. He he does well against rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, so that's that's not looking good for you guys. It, 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 the headline in the Boston Globe and the New York Times might be called the Boston Massacre on Friday after this <laughs> Thursday night game. I mean, it, it's not going to be it's not going to be close. Yeah. All I hope for from this game is that Daniel Jones goes up against this good Patriots defense in a hostile environment and plays decent. Mm-hmm. He's going to make mistakes. Yeah. He's going to get beat up. He'll probably turn the ball over once or twice. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, other than that, he at least plays somewhat decent to give Giants fans a positive look out for him. Because, again, he played Tampa Bay his first game and then Washington. But he's been tested last week by the Vikings, and there were a lot of positive things you can take out of it. And hopefully there's some positive things to take out of this game against the Patriots. But it won't be close. Patriots will win this game. I'm going to say, and I'm a Giants fan, I'm saying this openly, not being you know a blind fanboy. Patriots will probably put up like 38 points, and mm-hmm. the Giants will probably put up 14. Well, that was actually very close to my score prediction. I was going to say that the Patriots win 35 to 14. Um, yeah, I mean, everything you just said, this Patriots team is for real, for real obviously, mm-hmm. so I don't think the Giants will be able to hang at all. No, I don't. I mean, the, the formula the Giants have had in the past against New England is a good pass rush uh, with a good running game. Well, Saquon Barkley's out. Sterling Shepard's out. Evan Ingram's out. Your defense isn't the best. Our backup running back is out. Our defense sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's a, the formula definitely isn't looking good for the New York football giants, but Mike will be watching Thursday night nonetheless. I, oh, for sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> And here's the thing. If the Giants somehow pulled off some kind of miracle... Yeah, you guys won't hear I, I don't have to see them win another game this season. I will be satisfied purely off that. <laughs> yeah, you guys will, won't hear the end of it for the rest of this season. Yeah. Um, so that concludes our review of everybody's favorite three teams, the Buffalo Bills, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the New York Football Giants. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to a project that is very near and dear to the hearts of two of my closest friends, Bo Homo. Their mission is to attempt to understand the human experience and inject an uplifting and positive message into this crazy world that we live in. And you can visit their website to learn more about this incredible community organization at bohohobolifestyle.com. Explore endlessly. James catches, puts up the three, won't go, rebound box, back out to Allen, history part of All right, now to transition from the NFL to the NBA. The NBA season has uh, gotten started with some preseason action. Uh, you know, the preseason is not anything that is something you pay too much attention to in any sport. It's really like the sample ladies at the end of the aisles at Wegmans, you know. Would you like a sample of this steer? N- no, I don't. I, I'll, I'll pay attention when <laughs> I want the real what? product. Of this what? A sample of this deer. Oh, of this deer. Oh, I thought... <laughs> Would you like okay. a sample of this deer? Oh, like they call you deer. Right, exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's what they sound like. When, that's how I hear them. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but 
Drew, I think this is the most exciting NBA season we've had in a long time because lately it's just been a contest of it's going to be Golden State versus either a LeBron team in Cleveland or whoever else comes, whoever out, of else comes out of the East. Because like, Golden State was going to win anyway. And the East is not very competitive, so it's always been between Boston, Philadelphia, and a LeBron team, or and last year Toronto with Kawhi Leonard. But this year, so many different players have left their teams and have gone to other organizations, and it's a lot more spread out. We don't have four superstars on one team than the other four on the other team. It's completely spread out for the first time, really, since I started watching basketball. It's super exciting. Yes. Um, what are some of the players that you're most excited to see in their new places? Oh, uh, well, I guess we could start with the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers, sure. they were kind of towards the dumpster of the NBA last year. They definitely did not live up to expectations after signing LeBron James. Uh, so this year they tried to uh, counteract that by signing Anthony Davis. Yeah, they traded for Anthony Davis, and they got uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, well, unfortunately, DeMarcus Cousins went down with the, another injury, which has been the story of his career, unfortunately. Definitely feel bad for that guy. But, uh, Mike, how do you think this Lakers team is going to look with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Well, they're going to be one of the tougher teams in the West. The West is very stacked this year, as it always is. But it's even more comp- It's more competitive now that it's not so top-heavy with Golden State and Houston. And then that's it, really. Yeah. Everybody else was really good, but not like no one ever really thought that Denver was going to beat Golden State in the Western Conference. Even though Denver wasn't the number one seed and they're competitive, Utah's really good. No one ever really thought those teams were going to outlast Golden State, whereas now the Lakers have kind of become that team to beat with the fact that they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. With that being said, do I think they're the best team in the West? No, I don't. Yeah. Um, I think they're a very veteran-heavy team. They they brought back Dwight Howard, which was, that was shocking, sh- stunning for yeah. me. <laughs> uh, but they've got Avery Bradley, who's a great defender. I he, you know I watched him play in Boston. He was a great uh, player for us. And um, they signed Jared Dudley, another. Uh... Um, veteran. Yep. And then they have Alex Caruso. That mm-hmm. dude is nasty. He also looks like he's 40 years old, but he is a good player. And Danny Green's a veteran champion. <laughs> I mean, he won titles with San Antonio and last year with the Toronto Raptors. So, th- I mean, they've got a uh, they've got a good team. I do expect them to go deep into the playoffs. Um, I just think that the other team in Los Angeles might be a little bit stronger than them. Well, tell me a little bit about what happened with the Clippers this offseason. Well, you all know that the Golden State Warriors were defeated by... Uh, Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors, but Kawhi did not stay to celebrate with Drake in Toronto. He decided to uh, go back home, but instead of joining the Purple and Gold, who was his favorite team uh, growing up, he decided to join the other LA team. He told he basically told Doc Rivers and the Clippers, look, I'm going to sign with the Lakers unless you guys can get Paul George. Yeah. If you get Paul George, I'm coming to you guys. Clippers put some things together, they made it happen, and they got Paul George, so now they have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and they maintained... Um, uh, they, they have a solid roster still, even uh, without signing those two guys. I mean, they have Patrick Beverly, who is one of the best defenders in the league at the point guard position. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. They maintained Patrick Beverly in the offseason. He's a great defender at the point, and then you've got Paul George and Kawhi on the wings, who are also great defenders. And the Clippers were the number eight seed last season in the NBA. Or they were the seventh or the eighth seed. I forget which one it was. But they were they still took Golden State to seven games in the first round. Yeah. This was a good core Clippers team and they're coached by a Hall of Fame head coach in Doc Rivers. Their owner is awesome. Yeah, he's he's great. I forgot what's his name? I forgot uh, what his God crap. Yeah, I feel like an idiot. But either way. He's fun to watch on Steve Ballmer, that's his name. Yes. He's he's fun to watch on on TV. Yes. Uh, Because he just goes nuts. It looks like he's just having the 
the time of his life. Exactly. These guys. Uh, but moving on to the team that defeated the Clippers in that playoff series, the Golden State Warriors. They uh, made sure that they could keep pace with these teams that are getting big in the West. Well, they lost Kevin Durant. Uh, he he had left, and we'll talk about where he went in uh, just a few. But, uh, yeah, they, they got their hands on D'Angelo Russell, who was a free agent this season. And they were able to still keep um, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green in Golden State, along with Steph Curry. Uh, still going to be, you know... Coached well by Steve Kerr, and even though Clay Thompson's going to be out for most of the season, mo- right? Probably until like March or April. Yeah. So yeah, most of the season, but they'll be good enough to make the playoffs at least. And Clay Thompson healthy, Steph Curry healthy. Folks, don't jump on this Lakers and Clippers bandwagon too soon because Golden State could still go into those. You know, they could still knock those teams off. I mean, if Golden, if nobody in the West wants to play Golden State in the first round, no, of course. If not. Golden State is like a five or six seed. I wouldn't want to be the Clippers or the Lakers who are the three or two seed. You know, I just wouldn't want to play Golden State in the first round. No, exactly. And I think the most important thing with this Golden State team is how D'Angelo Russell fits into the team because he, he was nasty in Brooklyn. I mean, he he uh, was an all-star last year, mm-hmm. um, but now he has to play basically almost third fiddle to Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. Well, he's going to be the second option yeah. uh, for most of the season. Right. Uh, I don't know how that... Dynamics is going to happen when Clay comes back. How yeah. that's going to be, but again, they were able to make it work with Kevin Durant, who's far better than D'Angelo Russell. Than yeah. D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> but again, this, the the Golden State Warriors are at their strongest point when the game goes through Steph Curry, mm-hmm. and with Kevin Durant being there, that really wasn't able to do that. So I think the I, I don't think they're going to be better than they were with Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant's a phenomenon. But right. I, I I still think the Golden State Warriors are going to be one of the top teams in the West this year. I think they'll be. If they're not in the Western Conference Finals, they'll make it to the semifinals for sure. Well, uh, D'Angelo Russell will definitely be hoping for that. But why don't we talk about his former team, the Brooklyn Nets. They had some big news over the offseason. They did. So, thankfully, Kyrie Irving left Boston because uh, I did not like Kyrie Irving in Boston. <laughs> um, and he joined forces with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. It was very funny to watch Stephen A. Smith cry on ESPN because everybody, everybody who was listening in thought that they were for sure going to team up and go to the Knicks. Yep. That's the rumor I heard all season long is that Kevin Durant's eyeing to play for the Knicks. He wants to be the guy who brings the Knicks to glory, you know, play in Madison Square Garden, be in the big city. Well, he, he is going to be in the big city just 20 minutes away from Madison Square Garden <laughs> playing at the Barclays Center. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be playing with Joe Harris, who's a nasty shooter from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, Brooklyn Nets team, they're still incredibly young, but I mean, they were good last year. They were good last year, and they're going to be good again this year. Without Kevin Durant, though, for most of the if not the whole season, I've been told that there's a possibility he could come back, but I feel like that would be forcing the issue. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if he comes back. If Kevin Durant does come back, I mean, Brooklyn should be the favorite to win the East with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Well, Mike, I don't know if you saw that uh, Ben Simmons is starting to hit some three-pointers this year, but, I mean, the... Nets also had the 76ers in front of them as potential contenders for the East. Yeah, I, I think if Kyrie and KD, though, are healthy, um, both healthy and both playing, I think they're still better than Philadelphia. Because Philadelphia just... I don't think that Joel Embiid and Simmons are... They don't have a good chemistry together. Yeah. I, I don't think that they do. Um, they, you know, Philadelphia added Al Horford, mm-hmm. um, which was heartbreaking. So, I, you know, two big Celtics players left last year. Kyrie Irving, which I was happy to see him go. Um, and Al Horford, I was heartbroken to see him go. Oh, yeah, he was a solid role player for he, you guys. He's a great, well, he was leading us on defense, and he's a great rim protector, and he is a big man who can score three-pointers. He was more than just a role player. He was, you know, one of the anchors of our offense. Yeah. And defense. 
So it was tough to see him go, especially to see him go to Philadelphia. Whenever one of your, whenever someone leaves the team that you root for, you just hope that they either leave the division, leave the conference. Mm-hmm. He didn't do either of those things. He yeah. went down the road to Philly. Yeah, so, but I mean that gives the Sixers some great depth though. Like whenever they had, they do have to pull Joel Embiid out because he'll inevitably get tired because it seems like his cardio is always horrible. Yeah, they're gonna pull in Al Horford and they're still gonna have a solid person at center. Yeah, I, I I do think Philadelphia, with Kyrie being the only person in Brooklyn right now with Kevin Durant on the sidelines, I think Philadelphia should be the number one seed in the East coming into the going into the playoffs, if not number one, number two. Because, um, you know, unfortunately in the regular season in the NBA, not everybody goes their hardest. But I think with this more spread out uh, talent, that players are going to get up more for games because they're going up against this new competition every single night. Um, so I think that Philadelphia will be the number one seed in the playoffs. I just don't trust Philadelphia. Well, what about your Boston Celtics? Maybe they can get that number one seed, right? Yeah, well, they're uh, going to play well in the regular season. Uh, I can tell you that right now because they did not live up to expectations last year. Uh, Tatum's going to play a lot better this year. I think he's going to um, come back with a real chip on his shoulder because he played over expectations his rookie year. and Everyone was talking about how he's going to be the next great player. And he even trained with Kobe Bryant in that offseason. And he just... Didn't live up to the expectations. I think the li- Kyrie Irving being in the lineup really screwed up your guys' chemistry. It did. It absolutely did. And Kyrie yeah. Irving admitted this. I mean, Kyrie Irving said that he was not, his head wasn't in the season. He said he had some, you know, there was a family member who passed away or something. He had some off-court, you know, things that were going on, mm-hmm. which, you know, you never want to happen to anybody. No, but he said not. he said that his head wasn't completely in the season, and that affected his leadership in the locker room and affected his relationship with the players. And, you know, good for Kyrie for owning that, but... He was never really committed to Boston. I mean, when he wanted out of Cleveland, he put a list of teams he wanted Cleveland to trade him to. Boston wasn't on the list. Okay. So, yeah. you know, he he was always eyeing to go back to um, play for the Nets, I think, because, you know, he rooted for the Nets growing up. And, you know, he, he's where he wants to be now. He's not with us. He's not a distraction anymore. So that's why I was glad to see him go. Um, and I think that it's going to help players like Marcus Smart and Tatum to play better. And I think Kemba has a great chemistry with them because they're all great friends. Mm-hmm. Off the court, they play together in USA Basketball this season. Yeah. Yeah, so the Celtics picked up Kemba Walker over the over the offseason? Yes, yes. Kemba Walker uh, is going to be in a situation now where he's going to be on a team that can win games because he's been in Charlotte his whole career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now he's going to be on an organization that strives to win um, and has been performing really well the last few seasons. So I think the Celtics will be they'll be a top three seed in the East this year in the regular season, for sure. All right, so what else? Do you, or what do you think about the Miami Heat? Now that they have picked up Jimmy Butler. I mean, it's cute. It's cute. They got Jimmy Butler. I mean, (laughs) I think they still, they can benefit if they can make the trade work for Chris Paul and have him there. But Jimmy Butler hasn't really been anything. He's He's a great individual talent, but he hasn't really done anything for teams the last few teams he's been on. I mean, he's been on Chicago, which they went nowhere with him. Um, Minnesota, they went nowhere with him. Philadelphia, they went nowhere with him. So... I don't see anything else different. I know that Pat Riley's trying to get something going ever since LeBron left, but you lose D Wade. Yeah, I mean you've got Jimmy Butler, and then who's your number two option? Kelly Olynyk. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, it's obvious that Jimmy Butler can't really lead a team to a title by himself. But uh, you mentioned Chris Paul. Where is Chris Paul this season? It's definitely a weird spot for him to be. At. He landed in Oklahoma City as part of the trade for uh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Um, and you know he. He said it himself, what a, what a small world it is. He started playing for the uh, New Orleans Hornets, and at one point during uh, Hurricane Katrina, they played in Oklahoma City. So he had an OKC jersey, Hornets jersey from back in the day, and he's back playing in Oklahoma City. 
Yeah, um, that's after, true. After going to the uh, L.A. Clippers, after he's blocked from being traded to the Lakers, and then uh, went to play in Houston for a little bit. And I'm really disappointed for the fans of Houston that that didn't work out because him and James Harden, I thought, would have good chemistry, but apparently they, they didn't. But yeah. Chris Paul, the thing with Chris Paul is that he seems like he's a really cool, nice guy off the court, uh, but apparently he's... There have been locker room issues mm-hmm. every team he's gone to. Very cocky, yeah. And it's like, if there's problems everywhere you go to, maybe you're not the problem. Yeah. I mean, maybe, no, maybe it's not them, it's you. Right, That's exactly. how I feel about Chris yeah. Paul. Yeah, You know, so I don't know how, I mean, they've got no other, they, yeah. they, they really don't have anything else there in Oklahoma City. They completely cleaned house by getting rid of, you know, Paul George and Russell Westbrook, so. Yeah, uh, I'd say their number two guys potentially... <laughs> Gallinari, <laughs> dude's been around forever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in this in this uh, Western Conference, I mean, the Thunder are probably. I mean, look, here are the teams that are good in the West. Okay, just to name a few: the Lakers, the uh, Jazz, the Nuggets, the Rockets, the Clippers, the Trailblazers, the Warriors, the Spurs. That's already eight yeah. before I name the Thunder. So yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, and the other teams are going to be competitive this year in the West. I mean, so. Look, well, I, I don't even think they're making the playoffs, to be honest with you. Fair enough. But uh, you, you did mention the Houston Rockets in that list. What did the Houston Rockets do this offseason? They added, they, well, through that trade, they added Russell Westbrook. Yes. And now he's rejoined with James Harden. They used to play on the Thunder together mm-hmm. back at the beginning of both of their careers. They went to a finals together along with Kevin Durant against uh, LeBron James, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh in the Miami Heat when they won their first title together. Um they're both ball centric players. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna. I, I don't think it's gonna work because it was one thing when Russell Westbrook was playing with Kevin Durant and James Harden was the sixth man coming off the bench, giving some firepower to that young Thunder team. But both these guys have had careers where they've developed into their own games, and they both have been league MVPs. They're both used to being the number one option. It's gonna be a weird dynamic. How is Westbrook going to handle going to a place where he was the number one guy? To a place where it's clear as day that James Harden's the number one option in Houston. This is his team. Oh, yeah, and James Harden's not a guy that really, his play style meshes with another star. You know, like, he dribbles the ball around for the entire shot clock and then just tosses up a crazy fadeaway three, hoping that it goes in at least 60% of the time. Yeah. Um, moving on to our next team, we have the New Orleans Pelicans. They had a very exciting draft this offseason. Yes, everyone was really hoping. Well, I wasn't. I didn't really care. Uh, <laughs> everyone was hoping that the Knicks would draw that number one ball at the NBA lottery. But, of course, nothing goes good for the Knicks. And the New Orleans Pelicans got the number one pick. And so they take who? Zion Williamson. Of course. Because yeah. he was, you know. Like, who else was it going to be? R.J. Barrett? No. It was right. going to be Zion Williamson. For exactly. Sure. Even though R.J. Barrett's a good player. Yeah. Um, but Zion was a freak of nature. I mean, yeah, he's a once-in-a-lifetime player, so I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do in the NBA and see if his game can translate for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, just on a side note, they also signed Lonzo Ball. That's exciting because big baller brand, you know? Well, yeah, he was, he was part of that trade for Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Pelicans left to deal with uh, LeVar Ball being in their headlines. Yeah, but <laughs> making, at least we won't see LeVar Ball as much because the Pelicans aren't as big of a team. That's true. But <laughs> I, I do think that Lonzo Ball is great at... You know he's a great distributor of the basketball, and he he and Zion are gonna have fun making the highlight reel on Sports Center with the alley oops that they're gonna be doing. Oh, right. absolutely. And and you know what? the Pelicans are an interesting young team. Yeah. That I think will, in the Western Conference, they'll be a team that might steal a playoff spot. Yeah. I don't think I I don't see them being higher than seventh in the yeah. West. That that's that's their ceiling for me. They'll get to a seventh or eighth seed, and then they'll get knocked out in the first round by whoever they play. But 
that's their ceiling. If they don't make the playoffs this first year, who cares? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you get to at least watch Zion play basketball. Exactly. And, you know, say what you want about players doing the one-and-done thing. Zion Williamson was not somebody who belonged in the NCAA. No, he was just he was destroying. A, he, he was a man among boys. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I felt bad that, you know, we had to watch him play. I mean, one of the games he got hurt, so he didn't have to play in the game against Syracuse, and that's... Part of the reason why Syracuse beat Duke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the reason why they beat Duke. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it, I, one and done. I I don't even think that they should be forced to go to the college game. I, if you're ready to go to the NBA at 18, go to the NBA. Yeah, so, I absolutely agree. So uh, moving on to our uh, another team to watch for is Dallas. Yes, these last two ones, they these last two teams we're going to cover. They both got big European stars. First one, Dallas. Who did they get? They got Przingis from the trade with the Knicks last season, but he was hurt. Yeah. So now he's going to be actively playing on the team. Um, and they've got their other uh young star who was the rookie of the year last year. Uh, Doncic. Yeah, Luka Doncic. Yeah. Doncic. Luka yeah. Doncic. Yeah. He was a. I think he was rookie of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and he's, he's a great young player. I mean, Dirk saw, Dirk Nowitzki said he lot, saw a lot of himself in him. So that's going to be exciting to see these two playing together. First time without Dirk in 20 years. Crazy. Yeah, that's sad. He, I mean, Dirk, my whole, my whole time I've been a fan of the NBA, he's always been my favorite player. So it's sad to see him out of the, uh, out of the NBA, but you know what? Dallas made some good moves to, uh, win with life after Dirk. Yeah. And, uh, I always have been a fan of Mark Cuban's and. I think that the uh, the Mavericks are another team in the West that people aren't really looking at going into the season because they haven't made the playoffs the last few years. They could be a team that steals one of those last two spots in the playoffs. Well, what about the Phoenix Suns? I mean, they have their big three in Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and now Ricky Rubio. Probably the most exciting team in the Western Conference. Let's all be honest here. <laughs> I mean, no. I, I, <laughs> that team is such a mess. <laughs> I, the Phoenix Suns have not been good since Steve Nash left. Yeah. And even at Steve Nash's last few seasons, they weren't that good. So, I mean... Kudos to the Suns for advertising that they have a big three <laughs> between those three, but but yeah. but let's just be realistic. the The Suns, not good. M- maybe they'll be the second worst team in the West. <laughs> <laughs> and to end this segment, everybody's excited about the biggest offseason news. Vince Carter will continue with the Atlanta Hawks, and I hope to see him live one last time before he retires in his last season in the NBA. Thanks, Mike, for all of the great NBA news. That was your NBA update before the upcoming season. Just want to give a quick shout out to Pat McMahon and his show, The Pat McMahon Show. Thank you so much for giving us your contributions to our betting segment. And uh, this man knows everything about college football. He will help you win big on Saturdays. All right, so real quickly in other sports news, just to give you guys an update, uh, as I said in the la- at the end of the last episode, UFC 243, Whitaker versus Adesanya in Australia. The hometown boy, Robert Whitaker, was hoping to come into Marvel Stadium and get a W against the uh, surging Israel Adesanya. But unfortunately, he was knocked out at the beginning of the second round. He was actually knocked out at the end of the first round, but was saved by the bell. He was able to uh, gain his wits uh, between rounds, but... Israel Adesanya, he's the real deal. Mike, I'm sure you've never heard of this guy, but... Cool he, name. Yeah, it's a cool name. He honestly seems like he's the next John Jones. He's, he fights like a world-class kickboxer, and he's definitely a name to look out for for the rest of the, the year in the UFC. He didn't use steroids, did he? No, he didn't use steroids. He's, <laughs> All right. He seems like a clean guy compared to John Jones, and he actually just came out saying that he's a Dragon Ball Z fan, and he was looking for Dragon Ball Z fans to follow him. 
Well, I, I'm definitely somebody who should follow him then because I love Dragon Ball Z. Maybe, exactly. Maybe he's channeling his inner uh, Super Saiyan three when he goes into the arena. Who oh knows? yeah, and he actually uh, he had some a crazy entrance. You should look it up. Uh, everybody listening to this should look it up. Where he had uh, three guys do the haka dance and then he came out and did this real like cool like choreographed dance before uh, coming into the cage. And honestly, that doesn't happen that often in the UFC. So it was a cool change of pace. I wonder if he's like uh, you know some players listen to music before they go out to kind of pump themselves up. Maybe he listens to the. Uh, Super Saiyan 3 theme to get himself going. Oh, so he's like me. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, pretty cool. Just, just like you, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, who, I'm, I'm, I'll throw this out there to anybody who's not familiar with Dragon Ball Z. Look up Super Saiyan 3 music, and if you're not fired up after listening to it, you have no soul. Oh, absolutely. 100% agree. <laughs> so, go and do that. Um, in terms of uh, Major League Baseball, the playoffs are well ahead of uh, schedule because a lot of teams uh, are finishing up their series. Um, the New York Yankees swept the Minnesota Twins and uh, have now won 13 straight postseason games against Minnesota. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's pretty bad. They annihilated them. It was not even close. Um, so their series is over, and it looks like the St. Louis Cardinals are going to outlast the Braves. Currently, as we're recording this, um, this game is still going on. I know by the time this is posted that that game will be long over. Uh, but the St. Louis Cardinals scored 10 runs in the first inning of game five. Oof. And now it's 13-1 to in the top of the ninth with one out. So it's safe to say that the Cardinals won this series. Imagine being a Braves fan going to that game and just seeing your team lose it in the first inning, basically. Oh, I would have I left. Yeah. That's so, <laughs> and those tickets are expensive. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the St. Louis Cardinals, who are a tried and true, uh, you know, baseball team, baseball organization, you know, it's, it was a 2-3 match. I'm not surprising to see them pull that off. Uh, it was surprising the way they pulled it off, but it wasn't surprising that they won that series. Um, and then uh, Tampa Bay surprised everyone by forcing a Game 5 against Houston. Houston won the first two games with Verlander and Cole, but then Granke in the Game 3 gave up four home runs. Oof. Uh, Verlander was uh, beat up yesterday by uh, the Tampa Bay Bats, so going into a Game 5 back in Houston. Uh, that game will be Thursday night, and tonight, while again, while we're recording this, the Nationals go to L.A. to play the Dodgers in a Game 5. Um, so I'm going to speak this into existence. I back the Dodgers in a bet, so I... Uh, <laughs> hey, I, you were yelling at me about betting. What the hell's wrong with you, Mike? Well... I mean, he's betting like a dollar. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dollar a series bet, so it's really nothing. But again, I back the Dodgers, and this is why I don't bet sports, because whenever I back somebody, they start losing. So <laughs> I didn't expect the Dodgers to go to a Game 5 with Washington. I And here's what I also don't like about betting. I like the Washington Nationals more than I like the Dodgers. But I picked the Dodgers to win, so I'm going to speak it into existence. The Dodgers... Probably won tonight. Probably. Oh, that well, sounds okay. real confident. Well, again, this is, when, this, <laughs> when this is posted, the game will be over. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens. But the Dodgers are at home, so I, I think they'll edge out. Um, so that would mean that it would be the Yankees, and it depends on who wins between the Astros and the Rays in the ALCS, and then it'll be the St. Louis Cardinals against either the Dodgers or the Nationals. Um, and then, uh, Drew, since we're in Buffalo, uh, let's just talk a little bit about the Sabres. Um, even though neither of us are really big hockey guys, <laughs> especially me. But I did watch the home opener on TV, mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of that. But you were actually there. Oh, yeah, it was a hell of a game. I mean, beforehand they had a big 50-year celebration for the Buffalo Sabres. It was their 50th season, and they had uh, brand-new jerseys with a gold tint in them, so that was really nice. Uh, they had a bunch of past captains come out, and it was just a massive celebration for all the Sabres fans there, including myself, even though I've only, I'm a very new Sabres fan. Uh, and the game itself... It was awesome. I mean, I have been to, I think I counted, it was four Sabres games uh, since moving to Buffalo. All of them lost. Only one of them was even close. 
Uh, so coming into this game, I wasn't expecting much from the Sabres, but they ended up just destroying the Devils. I mean, they, they won 7-2, to two, and the game was never really all that close. I mean, uh, I took the Sabres to win by two goals, and they did that very easily, so I was a happy guy at the end of that game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm watching it on TV. Again, I'm not a, the biggest hockey fan. I'm trying to get more into it now that I'm out here uh, because of the hype around the Sabres, even though the Sabres haven't been good the last few years. Uh, they were, it was an exciting game to watch. I mean, it was just fun to watch them just continue, just to dominate. Oh, yeah, going to uh, hockey games are so fun when your team is actually winning. And didn't, didn't you guys win, like, a, a hockey stick or something? Oh, that? yeah, they were giving out these scratch-off things for the, the fans, and essentially you'd win either a glass or a stick, and you'd have to go to a key bank branch, and you get the stick or the glass. And Yeah, we got a full-size uh, Buffalo Sabres uh, hockey stick. Oh, nice. It was signed by a bunch of the players, so it was very cool. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah, and the Sabres are 2-0-1 uh, because their only loss was in overtime. So the way that the NHL works is the way it looks in the standings is it's two no losses and then an overtime loss. So they have one loss technically. But because they do a point system in the NHL to break ties, um, the Sabres got a point out of losing the game. Wow, I actually never knew that. So, so thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, so that's why... Shows <laughs> how much I know. That's when you look at the standings and it says 2-0-1. What that means is they're really 2-1, and but they got a point because they lost in overtime. So... Um, it's going to be exciting to see how the Sabres do this season. Hopefully it's better than seasons in the past. And uh, let's go Buffalo. Donald Trump! Yeah! Next up is our uh, betting segment where Pat McMahon, our degenerate analyst, gives us three picks for the week to help all of us win money on Sundays betting the NFL. Uh, the first one, I love this pick. I love the fact that he was choosing this pick. The Eagles plus three at the Minnesota Vikings. And his main reason, Kirk Cousins sucks against good teams. I mean, you said it last week. 5-27 and 27 against teams with a winning record. The Giants, going into the game, did not have a winning record. They had a 500 record. Oh, yeah. So that doesn't count on his resume. <laughs> exactly. So he thinks that the Eagles are going to come in and they're going to be able to put up just enough points against this Viking defense. And Kirk Cousins, he's not going to do anything. Um, next pick he has for us is the Lions plus 4.5 at the Packers. Uh, he believes that the Lions coming off of the bye... Uh, they're going to be able to uh, go to Green Bay and actually be able to put up enough points to defeat Aaron Rodgers. This is That's going to be a tough game because Detroit's yeah. looked really good this season, and they do play Green Bay very well, even when they've been bad. Yeah. So that's a tough game to pick. I, I don't think it's a, just a wash for Green Bay to go in and win this game, and Green Bay has proven they can lose at Lambeau Field. They lost already to the Eagles. Exactly, and I think the four-and-a-half spread, that helps because yeah. this Lions team is for real, as we've seen. Um, and the last pick... From Pat McMahon, the Browns plus one at the Seahawks. This one I kind of gave him some shit for. I don't know if I agree with this. Do you, Mike? Uh, this is another one of those tough games because I don't know what Browns team is going to show up. Yeah. I mean, Seattle's traveling from you know the other side of the country, so how are they going to play with that kind of travel? But the Seahawks have actually been a really good road team this year. Is it is Are the Seahawks on the road or are the Browns on the road? Uh, no, it's in Cleveland. Oh, it's in Cleveland. Okay, my bad. I read the, the pick wrong then. So, Browns at home against the Seahawks. Yes. Um. So, yeah, I, I kind of... The the travel for the Seahawks is obviously going to be huge in this bet. Uh, Pat said that his main reason was because the Browns look so bad against the 49ers, and he loves uh, having a chance for a team to come back. Um, yeah. It, it's any given Sunday, and people always bet according to the week before. Any given Sunday, and but the thing is with the Seahawks is... They run the ball really well, mm-hmm. um, and Russell Wilson hasn't turned the ball over yet. Yeah. So. It all depends on how that defense plays, because obviously this offense is struggling. Yeah, I'm I mean, I, I, if, if I'm picking that game, I like the Seahawks. But, Me too. But. but again, I don't know what Browns team's going to show up. The Browns are coming off from an embarrassment. I'm 
primetime, uh, and last time they lost in a primetime game, they came back and put up 40 points, you know, on both. So who knows what Browns team we're going to get. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so Pat believes Brown plus one versus the Seahawks. Mike, let's move on to our picks for the week. I know you had a great week last week. Yeah, I went 6-0. and So I went 6-0 and and got eight points. Uh, you went 4-2 and and got six points. So not too dramatic of a difference there. Uh, I went in last week with a one-point lead over you, so now the standings are I'm 20-9 with 27 points. You are 17-12 and 12 with 24 points, so you're now down to a three-point deficit. Ugh. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to surprise you with one of my picks this week, uh, opening the door for you. But this is the way our pick segment works. We pick the Bills, Giants, and Jags games, and then we pick a lock pick, an upset pick, and a wild card game that he and I will each give to each other. And then... Uh, if you pick the team that's not favored to win, you get two points if it's correct. And if you pick the favorite and they win, you get one point. So we'll start with our lock picks. Drew, who's your lock this week? Oh, man, I'm going to break the overarching rule for this podcast, and I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, boy. At the Arizona Cardinals. Now, people, please don't give me shit about this pick. This week is tough. For picks, honestly, Mike's ups, or, uh, lock pick is probably the only one that I would have picked, but he was, he picked first during our conversation be- before the show. Um, I am taking the Falcons at the Cardinals. I know traveling across the country is going to be tough for Matt Ryan in this offense, but I honestly think that this offense just looks too good on paper to lose to an Arizona team that barely squeaked by the Bengals, who are bad last week. So I am taking the Falcons at the Cardinals as my lock. All right, and my lock pick is, again, the game that I got to pick. I picked it before Drew did, and he didn't feel like challenging me for it. So we would have been able to flip a coin if he'd wanted it that desperately, but oh well. <laughs> uh, I went with the Ravens over Cincinnati. I mean, it, look, I think that the Ravens have had a few weeks where they struggle a little bit, but they're going to be at home against Cincinnati, who's really had a bad season so far. So I just think that it's going to be an easy win for Baltimore to uh, to win on Sunday. So I'm going yeah. with Baltimore over Cincinnati. Drew, who is your upset pick of the week? So my upset pick of the week... I said it before. I love the pick. Eagles plus three at the Vikings. All right. So taking, did you have that pick before Pat McMahon's re- uh, recommendation, or you just like that spread and you like the Eagles' chances against Minnesota? Uh, Pat's pick definitely helped with my pick. Okay. <laughs> I have some confidence in those uh, those Eagles even at Minnesota. Yep. All right. All right. Here's the shocking pick. It's going to surprise a lot of you out there, but they're breaking news that a certain quarterback was returning to his team. They oh, are zero and four. Dear Lord. I'm picking the New York Jets to upset the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my God. This isn't biased at all, people. No, I, <laughs> not at all. I think that the New York Jets are going to upset Dallas because it's in MetLife Stadium. I'm not going to say it's in New York because everyone's going to jump on me. Yeah, it's in New Jersey. All right. They're playing at MetLife Stadium. Uh, the Cowboys are coming off of a game where they did not play well, so odds are they will come and try to you know, avenge that. But the Jets have a good defense. I mean, against Philadelphia, they gave up. Their offense gave up two touchdowns to the defense. Yeah. And so that take, that means that the Eagles only put up 17 points on their own. Right. So the the Jets are able to stop a good offense. Yeah. Or at least limit a good offense from playing, you know, putting up 30 points on them on their own. So with Darnold coming back, I think the team is going to be really motivated and hyped up. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to have a good game against Dallas's defense because we saw what Jones did last week to them. I'm, and this is my... Opening the door for you to catch up to me, I'm picking the Jets over the Dallas Cowboys. Good. I sincerely hope that this happens. <laughs> this is the most surprising pick of the season so far. If this is my only pick this week, that's right. I will be thrilled. 
<laughs> All right, Mike, what's the wild card game you have for me? All right, so this is, uh, again, when we pick these wild card games, we try to pick a tough game for the other person to pick because we're trying to compete and win out on the picks contest. Uh, I went with the Tennessee Titans, your favorite team, the Tennessee Titans, <laughs> visiting the uh, Denver Broncos. Yeah, this is a damn tough one, but I'm taking the Broncos. I mean, they're coming off of a great win against the Chargers. It's a great defense, and uh, the Titans suck. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I'm taking the Broncos. Uh, my my wild card game for you is the uh, dumpster bowl of the NFL season. Is the Redskins playing the Dolphins? Oh boy, what do you think? Well, I think both teams are bad. Uh, there's no question about that. <laughs> hot take, hot take from Money Mike over here. Uh, Case Keenum is back as the starter, so I mean they're a mess over there in Washington. You know, it's like a revolving door of who's going to start the game for everybody. I mean last. They had Case Keenum, and then Dwayne Haskins came in for him during that game. Then they started Colt McCoy. He did not play well last week against New England. So they're back to Case Keenum being their starter. I don't know how much confidence that puts in Keenum. Uh, but I do think that Washington is just they're, – they're, have done a little bit of better things in their games than Miami has done in theirs. So I'm going to go with the Washington Redskins to get their first win, and uh, Miami will stay winless. All right. Well, can't wait for that game. Can't wait for uh, the next week of the NFL season. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to episode six of another damn sports podcast. I hope you enjoyed us switching it up a little bit and talking about the NBA in detail. I mean, we're both very excited about that NBA season. Um, I hope you guys enjoy week six of the NFL season. I know we will. Uh, Buffalo Bills fans, hopefully your team rests up and comes out and destroys the Dolphins in week seven. Uh, Let's be clear. I'm not going to enjoy week six with the Giants game, but... I won't be miserable on Sunday because they don't play. Their game will be over and out of the way, and I can just relax on Sunday. I won't have any high blood pressure. Money Mike has no faith. I have all of my faith in Gardner Minshew. Thank you guys again. I'm Drew Torres. He's Money Mike, and have a good one.